Now we are wrapping up a conversation we've been calling Home Field Advantage. In other words, we've been talking about how can our homes be built, our relationships, our families be built in such a way that our home is a place that's for us versus being a place that's against us. Today specifically is, I think, the most important part of the conversation throughout the entire series. We're going to be diving into Psalm 139. If you have your Bibles, let me encourage you to go and open up there, or you can open up your digital device to Psalm 139. Now, to give a little bit of plug where we're going next week, we're starting a brand new series called Rugged, and uh, we're going to be walking through the book of Malachi. You may have found that in the Old Testament, thought it was Malachi. It's Malachi. Um, and uh, I want to encourage you to make sure you're here. It, uh, this is an important conversation. We're going to talk about kind of what is the, what does it require of us when it comes to following Jesus? And the reality is it in times requires a rugged personality. Um, a willingness to get a little bit dirty, a willingness to go through hardship, and we're going to explore that as as well. Now, some of you are aware um, that Melissa and I, about two years ago, almost exactly, we purchased a house here in St. Cloud that was a complete fixer-upper. Um, maybe we watched a little bit too much HDTV and thought, hey, we can do that, you know. Um, but we wanted to, our, our kids were getting to that transition where we were more specific. Hey, we really want to be in these school systems. And, uh, and so we lived up on Boggy Creek. We thought, time is now. We're going to make a move. I was getting tired of traffic as well. I felt like we were living more in St. Cloud than we were in Lake Nona um, just because of family circumstances. And now the opportunity presented ourselves. And so we bought this house. The house was built in 1987. When we closed on the house, the entire house still look like 1987. Um, nothing had changed. Um, and uh, we knew like we're going to have to do a lot of work in order to do this. We actually had to live in Airbnb. We lived with, fam with, with friends for several weeks. We, we were, I mean, homeless when we signed up kids for school, um, which qualified us for all kinds of really interesting things that we didn't know that we would qualify for because technically, um, even though we owned a home, well, no, we actually didn't own the home yet. We were trying to work towards closing. We had already moved out our other house. Um, and uh, so we were in this temporal spot, but then it took us three months to get the house to a point where we could actually live in the house. Um, and when, when I say live in the house, we had some kitchen utensils in one bedroom and a bathroom. That was it. That was done. Everything else was still a mess. And uh, I enjoyed the challenge. I enjoyed the project to a point. There came a point where I'm like, I'm done. Like, I just want my house. But one of the things that I spent a lot of time doing was plumbing. I don't like plumbing. I can do it, but I don't like it. And what I realized is because I'm not a plumber, a plumber shows up to the house, they have all the extra pipes, all the extra fitting in their truck. For me to plumb something means I got to make 50 trips to Ace and Home Depot to find the right part in order to come back. And there was, we were getting down to the last bathroom. I was having to put in new fixtures in every single bathroom because it was, again, built in 1987. Nothing had been repaired. Every valve that I went to turn off broke. And so I'm in the last bathroom. I'm expecting it's probably going to break. I'm praying, Jesus, it's 9 o'clock at night. I just want this to work. And I turn the valve, and it snaps off. And it snapped off in a bad spot. And so water begins to leak. I have to turn off all the water to the entire house. And lo and behold, okay, I know what to do. i got to cut the pipe. i got to do this. But the way that the pipe was fitted... 
was so tight, there was no room to actually do that. So I had to cut into the back of the cabinet. I had to cut through the wall. I had to cut into supporting two by fours just to get enough of the pipe to redo the fixture. At this point, I'm not happy that I bought the house, right? Like, like there's things I'm sitting there going, why did I do this? Like, and I'm finding it hard at this moment. Now it's gotten to about 11 o'clock at night and my hope is starting to wane. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on the more negative than I am on the positive at this point. And my guess is you've had moments in your life very similar. Maybe not plumbing issues, but maybe it's life issues. Maybe it's the face and circumstances of a lost job. Maybe it's facing circumstances of a very bad health diagnosis. Maybe it's a lost loved one, a lost relationship. There's all kinds of things that we can face on a day-to-day basis that keep us from seeing hope on the horizon. Today, what I want us to understand, and the big idea of what we're going to kind of converse and focus in today is simply this. When God holds the reins, peace ultimately gains. When, in other words, when you allow God to be in control, when you allow him to hold the reins to your life, into the very decisions that you are trying to focus in on. Peace will grow. Peace will ultimately gain in your life, and it will have more traction. I don't know about you, but there's regular moments each and every day, and even in my week this past week, I'm like, God, I need more of you. I need more peace. And when hope seems to disappear on the horizon, I think the one thing that we're really holding on to that we want to experience is more peace. I want you to know, no matter what you walked in the room today with, no matter what challenges you might be walking through right now, where it may feel like there is no hope, there are no answers, I want you to know there is. And you, the, the, it begins when we allow God to hold on to the reins of our life. Now, what we're going to see as we open up and we begin to walk through really the verse, first 12 verses of Psalm 139 We're going to explore these two theological concepts. One's called omniscience, and one's called omnipresence. When we talk about omniscience, what we're talking about is a characteristic of God, that God in himself is all-knowing, meaning he knows everything that was, everything that is in the present, and everything that is still to come. How is that even feasible? How is that even possible? Well, we got to think about it from the standpoint God exists outside of time. That time in itself is a created thing. And I know for us that's hard to understand because we said there's always been time. Like there's always got to be a point A and a point B. There's where it started and where it ends. But what we have to understand is God lives in a different dimension outside of that. And I'll begin to explain that here in just a little bit, how that could possibly be real. Then we're going to talk about a little bit, we're going to see Psalm 139 lead us to this other characteristic of God called omnipresence, that God is all ever present. There's, I don't want us to get caught into the pantheistic idea that God is in everything, okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that God is everywhere. In other words, think about this, in your now, God is there. He is in every now. He's everywhere, And so we're going to see how David brings that to light. And those two theological truths 
if we really begin to believe it, we begin to accept it, we begin to bring it into our life, has the ability to, to change our lives, has the ability to, to bring us that hope, that peace that we long for. Now, here's the challenge. For most of us, even those that are in the room that you've grown up in the church, we may say theologically we believe in this idea that God is all-knowing, that God is ever-present, but rarely do we allow that to actually affect our day-to-day living. It doesn't actually affect the decisions that I make because we, just do, we, we wouldn't do half the things that we actually do if we actually believed that those were true. Now let's begin, and again, we're going to see some very important theological truths in this passage. Let's begin starting in verse 1. Psalm 139, starting in verse 1. David says this, he says, You searched me, Lord, and you know me. Let me just pause there. There's two major points that I want us to make today. The first simple point is this. God knows me. God knows you. Think about that. God actually knows you better than you know yourself. He knows every hair that is on your head. Let me ask you this question. How would your attitude... How would your lifestyle change if you actually embraced that very truth? That God knows you. He knows everything about you. That God knows you better than you know yourself. How would that change your life? Let's carry on with the same thought. He goes into verse 2. He says, you know when I sit down and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Verse 3, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. So we have this truth, this idea that God knows me. Let's begin to break this down a little bit more. So God knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. What we're talking about, we see that David here in Psalms 139, even in verse 2 and 3, he begins to break this idea down. The first thing we see how he breaks this down is God knows everything that you're going to do. He knows everything that I do. Now, that truth shouldn't be something that scares us. This isn't a Santa Claus type of Jesus. What I mean by that, we're all kind of familiar with the song, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why, why? Santa Claus is coming to town, right? It continues on with the idea, he sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake. I don't know if anybody, by the way, thinks that's a little creepy about Santa Claus. I think it's a little creepy. But he goes on, he says, he knows when you've been bad or good, So be good for goodness sake. I think sometimes we think this idea about God's omniscience and his omnipresence is that he's kind of this Santa Claus type of God, the Santa Claus type of Jesus. And so we better watch out. We better not cry. I'm telling you why. Jesus Claus is coming to town, right? And and we live with this fear-based mentality worried about, man, I better hide. I better keep this secret. I better not let anybody know because if I let them know, then God's definitely going to know. Here's some truth that we need to understand. God already knows. 
He already knows what you're going to do before you even do it. This isn't something that should scare us. I don't know about you. I think about even those moments like where I was plumbing. Where I'm trying to figure a challenge out. And I can't sort out the problem. Not only can I not sort out the problem. I, if I'm honest with you today. I have a lot of times. I have a hard time sorting out myself. Trying to understand like how, what should I do in this situation? How should I react in this situation? When I feel cornered, sometimes I would rather fight than back away. How am I going to deal with challenging circumstances? How am I going to deal with rising gas prices? Groceries have doubled in price. Like we have all these things that come at us from all these different angles. And what I want, first of all, I want to tell you this. People. People of faith. We are more of a people of faith than we are a people of fear. Don't allow fear to drive your decisions. Trust in God. That's one of the things that David is trying to help us understand here in Psalms 139. God can sort you better than you can sort yourself. He knows what you're going to do before you ever actually do it. God knows you. The second level of this we see coming out of of kind of the second part of verse 2. God knows what you think. He's going to know what I think even before it comes to my tongue. Even when your thoughts, he talks about this idea of thoughts are from afar. Even when your thoughts are far from us, he knows why you are thinking what you are thinking. He knows when you are confused, and here's, here's the helpful thing, he knows why you're confused. Sometimes we're confused and we have no idea why we're even confused, right? We don't know which way to go, we don't know which decision to, to make, we don't know how to plan, we don't know any of those things, because let's be honest, we can't see into the future, And so that ability of not being able to see into the future, wrestling with our current circumstances, causes hope to wane. But when we trust in the fact that God knows us, he knows what I'm going to do, he even knows what I'm going to think, he's not confused by my circumstances the way that you and I get confused by our circumstances. We all wrestle with these moments of trying to understand why. I remember when Melissa and I started on the adoption journey. We were convinced that God had called us to, this is is how we were going to add to our family. We had no idea how those circumstances were going to play out. We just knew that this was a moment of faith that God was calling us to, to walk. And we had a lot of people asking us, hey, are you going to do kind of foster adopt situation? And we said, no. The only reason we would choose to walk that direction is simply because it's hopefully cheaper financially. But we really felt like God was calling us to add to our family. And so we're going to trust the fact, yes, it costs a whole lot of money, we're just, and we don't have it. We're going to trust the fact that God's going to bring the finances in order to do that. And he did, miraculously. But I remember very vividly, the very first time we got a call, we got paired with a young lady in Joplin, Missouri. 
And she was about to give birth. She wanted us. She hand-selected us for us to have that child. And we were excited. And she even invited Melissa to go into the labor and delivery room with her. Well, that's a little challenging because it's not like you can get a call and go, hey, she's heading to the, the hospital in two hours, the birth, so get on a plane, get here as quick as you can. You, you just can't do that. So we knew, okay, the time is getting close, and we just took a chance. I said, Melissa, I'll head on out there. She landed there, and about two days later, she, this woman went into the hospital to give birth. Everything was cranking. Everything was going well. Baby was born. We named the baby. She said, hey, get out here. Dropped my kids off. Then I flew out there, was with her. We spent two days caring for this child, caring for the mom. And at the last moment, it all fell apart. We actually got discharged to walk out of the hospital with the baby, but there was one piece of paper that hadn't been signed. And that one piece of paper kept us from walking out the hospital with who we thought was going to be our baby boy. It was devastating. Heart-wrenching. Going to the airport with an empty car seat, having attendants ask you, hey, is there anybody connected with this car seat? No. A lot of tears. And I can tell you in those moments, there's a lot of questions. God, where are you in this? There was a lot of confusion. That's part of this faith journey of what it means for us to follow God. There are moments in our lives where we're going to question God why. Why this? Why that? Why now? And what we have to come comfortable with is that God doesn't owe us an answer. What David is helping us understand and trying to help us digest is trust in the fact of God's goodness. Trust in the fact that he is all-knowing and he is ever-present and that there's nothing in our circumstances that confuse him. Here, Think about it this way. If God is truly omniscient, that he knows everything, past, present, and future, that means this, God doesn't think. He just is. Where you and I may have to sit back, we may have to process going, I didn't see this. What am I going to do? God doesn't have to think. He just knows. He just is. How is that? How does this come to place? Well, let's think about it this way. Let's say this is representative of time. There's a moment in which things were created, time was created. There is a moment, as the Bible talks about, time will end. God created this. God lives outside of this. That means that God sits there and goes, I know how this is going to play out. So God never worries like you and I worry because we can't see that next step. God knows what I think. He knows all the whys of what I'm wrestling with deep down inside. Friends, that should be encouraging to us. Because he knows the doubts. He knows our wrestles. He knows what we're going to do. He knows the things that we're thinking. And here's the thing. I want you to get this. He still loves you. He still chose you. That should encourage each and every one of us this morning. We strive so hard to find ourselves, to, to know ourselves. 
But what David is trying to help us understand this truth is our identity will never be complete outside of God who made us, he defined us, and he embraced us. I think a lot of our fights, a lot of the conflicts, the things that we've talked about even over the the previous weeks, they start right there where we're trying to figure out ourselves, we're trying to figure out the other person, we're working so hard to understand who we are, who they are, and the reality is we need to focus in and connect with God. You know yourself by knowing God. You know yourself by knowing God. David then goes into this idea in verse 4. He says, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. In other words, the the third component of how God knows me is he knows what I'm going to say. I don't know about you. I'm a little bit of a verbal processor. There's a part of that that's disheartening. I'm like, God, if you knew I was going to say that, couldn't you just like tap me on the shoulder? Be like, shh, right? Like, shh, don't say that. There's been so many times, and I'm sure you have too. There's been so many times you say something, you're like, ah, like, I wish I could have taken that back. But again, God knows exactly what you're going to say. He knows exactly what you're going to do. He knows exactly what you're thinking. And here's the thing. Again, the good news, he still loves you. You still matter to him. And and I know for some of you, like you wrestle so much with the why that because you can't answer the why and the wrestle is so deep that that you've allowed that to create a gap in your heart between you and trusting of who God is. But the reality is that truth that God knows who you are, he knows what you're going to do, that he knows what you're going to think, he even knows the words that are going to come out of your mouth and he still loves you should be the very truth that causes you to run back to him. Run back to him. Verse 5, he says, you hem me in behind and before. This idea, this visual of a blessing. This idea of him is, is that he's holding us in. He's keeping us from escaping. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. In other words, he's saying, I know exactly what you need. I know what you need. God knows us that well. Not only does he knows our thoughts, he knows what we're going to say, he knows what we're going to think, what we're going to do. He knows what we need. Which means he's not going to always give us what we want. So we need to learn to rest in who he is and that he sees the whole picture. A great reminder of this, Paul talks about this, and he brings it to light in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. I'm going to just have that come up on the screen for us. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those, in other words, that love God, that we placed our faith in him, he's working all things for our good. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God loves you enough to help you conform to becoming more like him. 
He's not going to leave you where you are. Any situation that you look at and you want to define, well, that's just bad. That's just awful. Nothing good could ever come out of this. If you trust God, because God is all-present, he is all-knowing, he has the ability to turn even the worst thing into something good if you trust him, if you allow him to have that access. In other words, we need to learn to take the truth of who God is, and we need to learn how to connect it to our day-to-day life. Take this idea of who God is, connect it to your regular life. The second thing I want us to see here. So the first was God knows you. The second is God is with you. He's with me. We'll see this in verse 7 through 12. He says, where can I go from your spirit? It's talking about the omnipresence of God. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise up on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day for the darkness is light to you. There's three illustrations that David makes right after another here to help us understand God's presence. The first is this. God's presence is the highest and it's in the lowest. It's in the highest, it's in the lowest. It's in the the fastest and it's in the farthest. It's in the lightest and it's in the darkest. Think about that for a moment. It's in the highest, it's in the lowest, it's in the fastest, it's in the furthest, it's in the lightest, and it's in the darkest moments. We cannot escape his presence. And that God that is ever-present, all-knowing, loves you. He loves you. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 3, and I hope this is to be a prayer for each and every one of us, even today. May you have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Friends, I don't know what you walked in the room today wrestling with. But I know we're all wrestling. I know that there's challenges that we face moment to moment, day by day, week by week. And I want you to understand and hold on to this truth. Trusting in who God is, trusting in his omniscience, trusting in his omnipresence will build into you the person that God is calling you to be. And it will help establish home field advantage everywhere in your life. In the most important key relationships, where those relationships become a place where people are for you more than they are against you. Allow God to hold the reins. And I promise you, you will experience a peace that gains. That's my hope. No matter what you hear today, I want you to hear this truth. You matter to God. You matter to him. So much so that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, 
to help bridge that gap that we created. And for some of you today, the one thing you've got to do is you've got to release to a point where you just say yes to him. Say yes. I, I'm going to choose to trust you. I'm going to choose to follow you. I'm going to choose to, to lean into you, knowing that you have the answers and you have the way. Stop trying to figure it out yourself. Stop trying to do it. Allow, allow yourself to lean upon him and he to guide you. Let me take a moment. Let me just pray for us this morning. Lord, we need you and we love you. And God, no matter what the wrestle, no matter what the challenges, no matter what those things that may be devouring the hope that we long to experience and to live by, Lord, I, I just pray that you help us overcome those. I pray that your peace would rule in our lives and our hearts. Help us to walk obediently in following you. Even in those moments where we know what to do, Lord, I, help, I pray that you help us have the courage to actually do it. For your glory, not ours. In your name I pray.